The Lightning Thief, Chapter 9. I'm offered a quest. The next morning, Chiron moved me to Cabin 3. I didn't have to share with anybody. I had plenty of room for all my stuff, the Minotaur horn, one set of spare clothes, and a toiletry bag. I got to sit at my own dinner table, pick my own activities, call lights out whenever I felt like it, and not listen to anybody else. And And I was absolutely miserable. Join us as we journey back through a childhood favorite series. And see what lessons we can learn as adults from these books that meant so much to us as kids. Okay. Episode five. We just talked about what episode it was. I think that's a lie. I don't know if it's episode five or <laughs> Honestly, not. It's like I don't five or six. Either. We're so far ahead. Like I had to five or six. <laughs> yeah, for for those of you who don't know, we record uh our episodes like three weeks in advance. We did really like, mean to. <laughs> like, it's just gonna <laughs> But, so today we are discussing chapters 9 and 10. I am offered a quest, and I ruin a perfectly good bus uh, mm. through the theme of responsibility. Mm. That was a shot in the dark. I wasn't even sure that the theme was responsibility, but I'm glad no one checked me on that. I... <laughs> When I say I don't know, (laughs) I mean it. (laughs) We're very professional here. Yeah, we're great at what we do. I'm just excited to be back to recording. Honestly, we we took a week. We took a week off, and it was too much. I know. (laughs) It's very fun. It's like very therapeutic. Like (laughs) it truly is. Okay, so before we get too off topic, Neve, do you want to take it away with this week's thirty second recap? All right, let's do it. Yes. Counting it in. Three, two, one, begin. This chapter comes out the gate sad. Percy is excluded because of his dad. There's a big storm. Chiron says, you have a quest. And he goes to talk to the Oracle. And she says to go west. And they have to go to the underworld. And they get on a bus. And it explodes. And they run into the woods. And that's the end of the last chapter. Neve overachieving again, has... Seven seconds left. Anything else you want to include? I mean, um, no. <laughs> Am I allowed to swear on the podcast? I still don't know. Y'all clown on me for writing it out ahead, and that's why I stay winning during these. It's but- more exciting if you just go for it. It is. It's so fun. <laughs> no matter if you're crashing. Very just winging it kind of person. <laughs> Oh yeah, do we swear on this podcast? That's a good question. I, I was think... gonna say, go for it. I'm pretty Holy sure I shit. like that was so fast. <laughs> I really, I think I swore last week, so I think you did. Think we'll we'll commit to it. I think it's more exciting on this podcast. Commit to the bit. It's it's just such a habit. <laughs> yeah, okay. they swear in Greek. What? They swear in Greek. We swear in English. They do swear in Greek in this book, so uh, because of those rules, we can (laughs) swear in English because of the associative property of math. Oh, I love when we're all theater (laughs) That that probably was kind of the associative, I don't remember what, that's, you can add, right? (laughs) Chapter nine. Now, back in the <laughs> okay, y'all. What did we forget? 
honestly, when I say most of it, I mean it. Like, I kind of forgot the whole bus bit. I forgot that, like, I I remembered the winged shoes. Um, I just didn't remember that it came now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I kind of forgot all about the three, you know, the Furies kind of following them. Um, I also forgot um, in the description that they were, like, I don't know. They were described as the same, like all wearing like velvet dresses and paisley handbags. Like I thought that was so good. Like <laughs> I was like, that's, I, I want to see that like on screen. It, it's just so funny. But yeah, honestly, I kind of forgot a, a lot about like the transit part, you know? I, <laughs> my favorite part of this chapter was when Percy was talking about Grover's ability to play panpipes and he's playing So Yesterday by Hilary Duff on <laughs> panpipes. And I was like, I love this. And I paused changed. listening to the book because I was listening to the audiobook in this case. And I played So Yesterday by Hilary Duff because I was like, oh, what a good song. Wait, I listened to the audiobook this week too. The um, Oracle voice freaked me the fuck out. I was so <laughs> scared. <laughs> Oh. Wait, speaking of the Oracle, I forgot that he doesn't say the whole prophecy to um, everyone he's with. Oh, yeah, <laughs> he's, like, he's like, I'll just conveniently leave out the two lines that says something's going to go bad. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I just, like, never even remembered that, like, they don't know the entire prophecy. And he's like, the Oracle said, this is what I have to do. And it's all going to be okay. <laughs> There was no cryptic and, like, sort of damning stuff in there at all. He's really decided on, like, manifesting. Like, if I say, what I say will come come true. So real. I forgot Grover could read emotions. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Grover said, I'm an empath. (laughs) Oh, my God. I forgot about all the Riptide's, like, mythology that it has. Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> I forgot about that, too. funny, because when I was young, like, I don't know, I probably just think of, thought of it as, like, a normal word. And then in my head, as soon as I heard Riptide, the song started playing. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, yeah, no, long story short, me, too. Like, <laughs> I, I forgot about all of the background and sort of how he immediately translated it into Greek and I was like whoa the, the wildest detail when they're talking about like the celestial bronze or whatever it, mm-hmm. it was like oh and it can't harm mortals because they're not important enough that <laughs> made me laugh I literally put that in my notes just like page 154 that's really funny oh <laughs> like, it's in it. bold I, I wrote all caps <laughs> okay. also there was a moment I don't remember when this was because I did not write good enough notes for myself this week but can Chiron read minds? Yeah because Percy's like I, I'm worried like he's like I worry about like losing the pen but like he's only thinking that and Chiron's just like you won't <laughs> and he's just like oh but then it's just kind of breezed over and like we focus on the fact that Percy can't lose the pen so I think he can read minds but it's just not like talked about Yes, like, do we ever have another moment of this? Is this just, like, one moment where you can read minds and it's never talked about again? 
It would. Like, it would be yeah. like that for Chiron. I love him so much. I don't know why I have such a soft spot, but, like, he would. Just, like, oh, yeah, like, I never mentioned to you that I can, like, <laughs> like I know all your feelings. Like, oh, no. <laughs> know it's something I didn't forget? The tinfoil lightning bolt bit. I don't know why that stands out to me as part of this book when Kyron's like, no, it's not like a tinfoil little crafty lightning bolt. It's like this badass weapon that will kill you all. And I was just, I don't know. Great imagery there. I was like, oh yes, a tinfoil lightning bolt in a school play. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I forgot the whole Mr. D threatening to turn Percy into a dolphin bit. <laughs> made me very happy to remember that I remember as a kid thinking that I kind of would choose the dolphin <laughs> I honestly think <laughs> like, if Percy I would just have him turn me into a dolphin <laughs> if Percy could know what was about to go down in these books to him he would choose dolphin too like <laughs> also we have we have Chiron like recounting the stories of like the titans and stuff and talking about prometheus and i was like prometheus is a socialist that's so real he definitely is he stole fire from the gods to give to men because he was like they need to be more on an equal playing field and i was like this is socialism in action and i'm here for it it's like robin hood yes steal from the rich give to the poor Steal give, bro. <laughs> oh, also the fact that Percy is a whole ass fugitive. Mm-hmm. So fun. Yeah. I did remember that part. Me too. Cause it's it's kind of glossed over in the adaptions, but like they are on the run. Yeah. I know. I, He's being actively searched for. Yeah. No, that's something I, I remember from the movie specifically. Um I don't know why the scene stuck in my head that like when they were watching, I think, the weather, and then they were like, we're also missing this boy. And he's like, oh, like, that's so very me. Like, that's literally a picture of my face. Like, I don't know why it's stuck in my head. (laughs) Oh, my God, that's so me. (laughs) Like, tag yourself, I'm on the television. Um, (laughs) No, but, yeah, I don't know why that that stuck in my head. But, like, I, I always see Percy as being that way you know as being kind of like the chaotic kid that like is always in trouble and like people always want to get him but they never quite do you know oh yeah chaotic good energy mm-hmm. oh, real. Oh, we should do an episode where we just talk about the alignments of each character yes it's just a thought for the future <laughs> yes. i was actually thinking about an enneagram type for a couple of the characters earlier but i know that's not what this is about yeah. <laughs> <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, time for the deep conversations. <laughs> Where do we see responsibility in these chapters? Oh, oh, okay. Um, 
sorry i just want to talk about chiron again i literally love him i want him to be my dad like <laughs> um but he he when he um handed percy riptide for the first time like that's big like interesting a 10 year old with a whole sword he's um, 12 i'm so sorry that's two whole years of sword training that he missed <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's real yeah oh and 12 year old with a whole sword um and also just, you know, it's the principle of the thing, you know, giving him something that has had meaning in their relationship in the past and um, eventually being like, you're capable enough to take these skills and apply them to these like real life, incredibly dangerous situations. Um, sort of like telling Percy that he has a responsibility here to be more, not an adult, obviously, but more of an adult than he has been before. Um and, you know, by taking it, Percy accepts that. I just, I love that little moment. Yeah. It also gives us the best moment in the movies. This is a pen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was thinking about responsibilities in when they're talking about how the the gods have all these problems, but, like, they can't fix it because of all of these insane rules. So it's, like, mortals and demigods' job to do it. So, like, the gods fuck everything up, and then it's the responsibility of mortals to fix their problems for them. Mm-hmm. That's real. Yeah, I actually, like, thinking about that, I brought up, there was a quote, I don't remember what page it was on, but it was, like, no god can be held responsible for any hero's actions. Talking about why heroes can go in certain areas, like how like gods can't go over each other's territories, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's a little ironic considering a lot of the hero's actions are driven by a god, <laughs> like telling them to do something, you know? Right. It's like this insane double standard where the oh, the gods aren't responsible for the actions of mortals, but the mortals are responsible for the actions of the gods. Yeah. Like capitalism. It really is like... (laughs) (laughs) This is like sort of a different kind of responsibility, but like going back to Percy not telling anyone his whole prophecy, because he was the only one in the room when he got it, obviously... Does he have a responsibility to tell someone that whole story if it could be harmful or, like, hurt the overall morale? Or, in his case, if he just believes he can just change it, even if it's, like, completely Mm -hmm. impossible? (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's a good question. Like, Yeah, that's interesting. I don't really think there's an answer to it. It's no, just, I was like, I can't come it up poses with It an interesting question of yes. you have a responsibility because it's also, it was only his prophecy, you yep. know? Yep. Like he, the other two lines that he chose to not include were being betrayed by a friend mm-hmm. and that he would fail to save what matters most in the end, assumably to him and will be to him. <laughs> but that doesn't really affect anyone else on the quest except for him. Yeah. yeah. And I, f- I feel like it, that's complex too, because the friend part, he's like, well, these are my friends. So like, are they going to betray me? Like he, I think very clearly in these chapters, I think he thinks it's Annabeth. 
Yeah. Like in yeah. the beginning. Like I agree. I think he thinks that too. Because he knows Grover is not competent enough to betray him. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of true. But then the like that they'll fail. He's like, oh, I can't tell them that like I'm leading them to die. Like that we're going to fail. Yeah. I also think he kind of feels like he has a responsibility um, to his mother. Um, yeah, I noticed that too. Yeah. I also thought it was interesting that he explicitly says, I don't remember what page it is and I don't feel like looking through it to find it, but he explicitly says that he does not care about the lightning bolt. He doesn't care about war. He doesn't care about the fate of the world. He doesn't care about any of it. He's only going to the underworld because he knows he can save his mom. Oh yeah. So like he has responsibilities and while they may not be coming from the correct or I just did air quotes like you could see those. Um, <laughs> well, it may not be coming from the place that you would think it is. Like, it's still getting him to the same endpoint, you know? Yeah. yeah totally. I think that's the, like, difference between, like, a responsibility and, like, motivation. Because responsibility is something that you have thrust upon you. Whereas, maybe less, maybe not responsible, like, duty almost. Like, responsibility is thrust upon you. A duty is something that you, like, decide for yourself. Mm-hmm. And, like, those mm-hmm. sometimes overlap. But, like, Percy is, like, the responsibility for the fate of, like, the entire world is thrust upon Percy. But all he cares about is his mom. So yeah. he might be responsible for all of this stuff. But that's not why he's doing this. That's not... He doesn't feel responsible. For- hmm I also wondered if maybe he chose to look at it that way because he's 12 and it's an awful lot of weight for a 12 year old, the entire universe and the fate of it. So it's easier for him to compartmentalize what's happening. If he's just thinking I'm doing this for my mom. Oh, completely. Quick psychoanalyzing. (laughs) Bring up Freud. Like, (laughs) yeah, literally. Yeah, I, I also thought, like, what all the uh, other main characters in this section were, like, were responsible for, um, or felt responsible for. Uh, like, Grover is responsible for Percy's safety, and, like, like, that's a responsibility that he accepts upon himself. Chiron is responsible for, like, all his campers. Like, he talks about <laughs> watching so many people die, mm-hmm. and that's that's a shitty responsibility to take upon yourself. You yeah, know? definitely. And also, I thought Annabeth is just responsible for herself. And I admire that. (laughs) You know, she's like, I am a one-woman army, and I'm here for it. I love her. (laughs) One-woman army. Also, with the Oracle, in two parts. I saw responsibility with the Oracle in two places. One, the very beginning of Chapter 9, Chiron's like, you're going to accept your quest? And Percy's like... what to do what and like he has to accept his quest before he knows what it is and that's like (laughs) a huge responsibility like taking on responsibility without knowing the reality of that is super hard to do and like shouldn't be expected of anyone but also that same thing happened to the oracle the oracle was just this chick who was like yeah i'm I'm gonna do prophecies and stuff and then 
she was they were like bam you're stuck like that forever and now she's like this dead body hosting this spirit but like she accepted the responsibility without knowing that that it was going to be the result yeah it's like a big game of truth or dare and you pick dare and you get screwed like it's just <laughs> so it's when they're leaving and luke gives percy the shoes and he says the lines listen percy luke looked uncomfortable a lot of hopes are riding on you. So just kill some monsters for me, okay? Reading that line after knowing everything that's going to happen is crazy because Percy has a responsibility to Luke that he doesn't know yet. Like, Luke wants... A, a lot of this is riding on Percy for Luke because he's expecting that Percy's going to change over to his, like, bad side, you know? And it's just crazy reading that. Like, there are a lot of hopes riding on percy and a lot of responsibility that percy's taking on for luke but percy thinks it's like luke doesn't want to go to war (laughs) like luke doesn't want a war to happen and like what everyone else is thinking but luke has totally ulterior ulterior motives so i just thought that was interesting yeah you're right it is interesting (laughs) thank you for the confirmation brayden you're welcome should we move on to our moments of sass in I found some good ones. I I'm very bad at like taking notes in the sense that I don't do it. But (laughs) had I thought of some good ones. Oh, so someone else can go first. Okay, I will share mine because I'm sure someone else has this, and I want to say it. Uh, So, in chapter ten, page one, reading numbers is hard. And I just want to say that before I continue. Okay, you're a demigod. You're not supposed uh, to. <laughs> <laughs> On page 163, uh, the old ladies were not old ladies anymore. Their faces were still the same. I guess those couldn't get any uglier. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I don't know if this is a moment of sass, but I'm going to consider it one. Page 155, they're talking about the mist and like Percy's finally getting a clarification on what the mist is. I feel like that hasn't happened like this entire book until now. Um, And Chiron says, remarkable, really, the lengths to which humans will go to fit things into their version of reality. And I thought that was sassy and topical. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so true. I love it. I found one that um, is a little bit of an attack, but it's okay. Um, on 164, um, Percy says, we shot off the hi- highway through a half a dozen traffic lights and ended up barreling down one of those New Jersey rural roads where you can't believe there's so much nothing right across the river from New York. <laughs> <laughs> Neef, I'm so sorry. But, no, oh my God. I was so out of pocket. Like, I... <laughs> I, I like red flash right it. Should we explain to the listeners that me? Yes, lives- I, I think we've discussed this. Neve lives in New Jersey, uh, and we hate New Jersey. Justice for New Jersey. None. It's nice here. It's nice here. <laughs> But um, I read it and I just immediately thought of Neve's proximity to New York and the way we continuously harp on New Jersey. And I loved it. I applaud your choice of lines. No. uh, 
justice for New Jersey. <laughs> no justice for Jersey justice. I like New Jersey. I'm glad. I like Maryland. <laughs> I was like, I'm really happy for you, Neve. I'm really glad you found something to enjoy. <laughs> it's funny because literally everyone hates New Jersey. For, I will say, no sustained reason. Most of you have not been here. But I think our that New Jersey's collective reaction to that is just swinging as, like, somehow harder. <laughs> like, I remember during the quarantine, this is a little off topic, but it's really funny. Um, During the quarantine, when it first started, one of the official like government promotional ads to like stay at home was basically marketed using (laughs) like rhetoric that was like, we can do better than New York. We can do better than like, just saying we can do better than like any state on the Eastern coast <laughs> and saying they bet that they'll do better than us. They'll bet that they'll <laughs> that New Jersey will fail. So we really only stayed at home out of spite. They knew that spite was the only thing that could energize the New Jersey crowd. So. That's really funny because yeah. no one was talking about New Jersey. <laughs> no, of course not. But that was the only thing that could motivate New Jersey. I feel like New Jersey for everyone else who hates them. I feel like you invite the hate in. We're, we're dropping this topic, okay? Does anyone have it? <laughs> like an hour and a half podcast. Like <laughs> The Percy Jackson podcast discusses New Jersey. Yeah, no, and that's it. Like, <laughs> oh, Anyway, that was my sass moment. Let's just okay. share. Okay, so our final section every week, we like to give an offering for one of the characters who inspired us or just really needs needs something needs something extra this week uh or just did really good various reasons really (laughs) arbitrary rules who'd we decide to give offerings for this week um i chose to give my offering to grover this poor goat is so scared (laughs) i know that he is told that he has to go on a quest he's clearly not having straight up, not having a good time. He doesn't want to go on a quest a and B to the underworld. It's even worse. He doesn't want to do this, but there's this really sweet moment where he's says, if like Percy, if you need me to go, then of course I'll be there for you. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) yeah, that's pretty much it. He doesn't, he really doesn't want to be there. And he's trying his best, but he's obviously a little ill-prepared. He, like, only filled his bags with, like, tin cans. And I was like, okay. I remember when the the monsters start attacking them on the bus, it says that Annabeth pulls out her knife, like, ready to attack, and Grover pulls out a tin can to throw at them. And I was like, Grover, aw, you're trying your best. And you don't want to be here, but you're there for your friend, and that's really, really sweet. So that's it. I love that. My offering was for Annabeth uh, because this girl, like, as soon as she was like, hmm, Percy is the son of Poseidon, which means, like, he's bound to get a quest. So even before he accepts this quest, I am volunteering to go with him. She is there. She is prepared. She's lurking in the shadows. She is ready. She is packed. She... (laughs) 
just the preparation, the commitment, the ambition. I admire this girl so much. She is ready. She, a one woman army. Mm-hmm. She said network to get work. Like that's, it's <laughs> very real. Um, mine was for, oh my God, yes, it was for Chiron. I literally just love him. Um, he, I don't know. I think that there, there's very much something in the moment where he officially hands over Riptide to Percy. I think that there is a lot that goes into trusting a 12 year old, um, that you know, to be chaotic and sometimes irresponsible and, just not the best behaved um, around other people in, in social situations, et cetera. Um, I think there's a lot in like placing your full faith in him and like letting him know that, um, you know, and like that manifesting in like a sword. <laughs> um, so I think, <clears throat> I don't know. I just sort of commend Chiron's end of that deal. Um, it has to take a lot of respect. Um and I know I said it before, but like a lot of trust and yeah, I just think like both of them were very brave sort of in, in, in holding up their ends of the deal. Like Percy going on the quest, Chiron giving him support um, when he's never done anything like that before. So yeah, I just thought that was good. That's all for this week, y'all. Uh, tune in next week where we will be discussing... A theme of appearances within the chapters 11, we visit the Garden Gnome Emporium, and 12, we get advice from a poodle. Make sure to follow us on all our social medias. We are at Return to Camp on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Thanks Bye. for listening. Bye. See you next week. <laughs>